I have a confession to make. Yeah. I know it's never going to reach the top since last week when I revealed that I read that book. I read that book! No, you didn't! But I actually started reading a book about Harold Henthorne before that one, the one that was covered on the episode, Black Widower, but I stopped reading it so that I could find Nancy's and read it. But the point is, I gotta give you just a little bit of a Harold Henthorne update. You cool with that? Hit me. Okay. Number one. When they were prepping their wedding, he wouldn't let her put doctor on her name, and he wanted to be listed first, okay? So it said Mrs. Tony Henthorne. That's number one. Uh-huh. Number two, Harold didn't pay for anything. That's obvious. But the two, uh, what, what are they called? The um, pediatricians? No, the paramedics. The, the two paramedics that showed up to his first wife's death, guess what their last names were? What? Whipple and Shipple. <laughs> no. Nick Wild, Whipple and Shipple. <laughs> What do you think? Should that have made the dateline? Definitely. Man, Colorado. Yeah. Weird place. Right? Very weird place. Oh, wait, that's where this one happens. I know. I'm Lester Holt. All right, let's dive into this. We got ourselves another From the Vault. From the Vault. Here's Keith Morrison with The The Secret Secret Keepers. Keepers. This originally aired July 18th, 2019, season 27, episode 44. IMDb description. When the death of a 59-year-old father, Randy Baker, is found to be unrelated to his ongoing health issues, police begin an investigation and question some of his family members. And this was a shorty, as we like to call it. Yep. It was only an hour long instead of two hour long. So, Kate, tell me, why did you pick The Secret Keepers? I picked it because it's a shorty and because (laughs) it's a classic Keith Morrison episode. And we haven't done any Keith yet. So I figured it was time. Yeah. Finally, we're getting a KM in. And I'm excited about it because I thought that this was a great app and a great Keith app too. I feel like I haven't watched a Dateline with KM as host in a while. And like we can love AC and J Mank and all these other people as much as we want. But there's really the one and only. The top of the mountain is Keith Morrison. The OG. His voice and his delivery and what he can get out of people. Yeah, you know you're in for a ride when he's at the helm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and it's right off the bat, too, because it opens up. We're talking about the 59-year-old father, Randy Baker. He falls asleep at the wheel and swerves off the road and hit something. And already I'm on board because KM's voiceover is like, he was so tired. It's like when I'm talking to the dog. Yeah. Oh, is someone so tired? (laughs) So tired. So tired. I was really hoping Keith was going to be driving that car. Like they clearly went out and shot some B-roll of a car swerving off the road. I thought maybe Keith would be behind the wheel. Wouldn't that have been pretty cool? They don't want to put him at risk. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No stunt work. No, no, no. Certainly not. Although I will say this about Keith. He can fit places... There's a lot of advantages to him because there's a scene later by a computer that J-Mink would not have been able to do. Oh, I've got some thoughts on that. Okay, okay. All right, sorry. I'll table that. Uh, okay, so Randy Baker falls asleep at the wheel. The cops come over and give him a warning. I don't know, warning for what? Being tired? Yeah, maybe just reckless driving. He was swerving around. It could have been catastrophic. It wasn't. Turns out this was the fifth time this month that this has happened to him where he's fallen asleep at the wheel. Yeah. He thought maybe it was related to the health issues that he'd been having because he had recently had open heart surgery and he was a former drug addict. So he had a lot of lingering health problems and just thought he wasn't too worried about it. No. And it's scary that if someone has general heart troubles, then if they fall asleep at the wheel five times in a month, there are no red flags. People just go... Heart troubles. Yeah. Heart troubles again. I'm sorry. Why didn't anybody go, uh, does somebody hand you a cup of coffee every morning or? Right. Have you checked on the antifreeze levels in your garage? (laughs) Yeah, totally. 
I couldn't believe it. It was five times in a month. I mean, that's twice in one week at one point. And there's no red flags. He just kept driving. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, his heart troubles stemmed from an accident that happened when he was younger. And they show a picture of him when he was 28. And do you remember how Keith described him? A strapping young lad? No, no. Close. A six foot five bear of a man. <laughs> Yeah. A strapping bear of a man, six feet, five inches tall. Keith was loving how tall he was. Well, yeah? Keith's tall too. Yeah, but when he's a bear of a man, I was losing it. Okay, so he's 28 and he is a lineman, but it's funny that that's what they call people who work on telephone lines. Right. That's like somebody who likes to have sex calling them like a coxman. He is literally a lineman. And he was up there doing that lineman thing and he got zapped. He was on the line and he got a jolt. He was never the same after that. Now, Kate, please tell me that that shot and that scenario reminded you of a movie that you've seen at least once. It reminded me of an X-Files episode. No, no, no. no. Here's a hint. Oh, no. It's, it, no, my memory is just not correct. Yeah. There's got to be an explanation. And you'll know why as soon as I tell you that what it's from is tattooed in my body. So what is tattooed? The Burbs. The Burbs. There it is. Boy, she didn't want to say that. She did not want to say it. Uh, anyway, it really reminded me of when Art gets zapped and he falls off. I, I took a joke, but I'm okay. That's all we're going to talk about the burbs because there was no sign of a struggle. Spoiler alert. So he got zapped and yep, he, zapped. he was never quite the same. He struggled with a lot of pain. He was on painkillers, which then segued to drugs and then selling drugs. And finally it all became too much and he got clean and he actually became a drug counselor. And that's very commendable. And I'm happy that he was able to turn it around. But what I want to know is how does doing a lot of drugs lead to dealing if I was in some sort of drug hole, I wouldn't want to be responsible for trying to sell stuff, right? Well, also, isn't that a rule that dealers aren't supposed to use? Get high on their own supply? Yeah. I mean, maybe he did it so that he would have the supply and he could really party. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. I don't know. It just seems weird to me. If I was trying to escape stuff, I wouldn't take up another job basically, is where I'm going. But anyway, he turned it around and he, be he became a counselor and he helped a lot of people, including one of his nephews who sent him a wonderful Father's Day text about what a great inspiration he was and a father figure to him. Mm -hmm. Not only have you been a role model and inspiration to me, but the closest person I've ever had is a real father figure. Thank you for believing in me. That's how great this guy was. Yeah. And Randy had a daughter that is featured in this episode, Betty, who I liked. She didn't drive me nuts. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Betty reminded me of a lot of girls that I grew up with. Just really sweet. Yeah. And down to earth. Just very familiar. I thought that Keith was great with her too. Particularly when... I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy, but that term, my person. Yeah? Yes. He was my person. So I went to him for anything and everything. Now you're going to have to help me out with this because I'm completely in the dark because I've never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. But Kate, can you please tell me what she means by my person? Because I have no clue. Well, I also have never seen <laughs> a single episode of Grey's Anatomy. No, but I <laughs> but I asked someone about that. Oh, you did? I did. Okay, dope, 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 dope. dope. It's not a romantic thing. Right. When well, you say that someone is your person, it means that they're the one you confide in and that you go to for everything. A best friend, a confidant. <laughs> and Betty felt that her dad was her person, which is sweet. It is sweet. I felt like we could put that together ourselves. Like I was thinking of when you say you're my lobster, that's a friend's thing. That would need some context. 
Did you watch Friends? Did I watch Friends? It's a known fact that lobsters fall in love and mate for life. So Benny is close with her dad, and she's even okay with her stepmom, Kelly. Now, they've been married for 12 years at this point. Oh, I thought it was 18. They've been married for 18 years at this point. Kelly comes home one morning to find Randy sprawled on the floor, dead. Yeah, he's laying in the hall with a bag of fast food next to him. and Mexican, again, just like last week. Right. Because I'd been shot in the head. And Kelly immediately thinks, well, this is maybe heart-related. Maybe he had the big grabber and, and fell, and that was it. And that's what she tells 911 and the police when they arrive. Yeah, and uh, I guess that's what she told the coroner, because that dumbass walked in there and said, it's probably his natural causes because of his heart. That's probably why. Yeah. He thought possibly he died of natural causes with all the health issues. Did that surprise you? I guess we'll talk coroners later, but they're my new favorite thing to be angry at for how lazy they are. You with me on that? I think that it's very telling that morgues don't hire men anymore to be coroners. Shut up! Is that real? Yeah, because they keep having sex with the dead bodies. And anytime we learn about a coroner who either screwed up or missed something huge or whatever, it's usually a man. Yeah. Wait, that's brilliant. Is that true that they only hire women now? I mean, I support that a thousand percent. That is the trend at the moment, to steer away from hiring men in those positions. My name is Bucks. <laughs> And I'm here to... So the coroner said, oh, it looks like natural causes. I did a basic inspection. Natural causes. Natural causes? Please. And then someone has the bright idea to roll him over. And they discover that he's been shot twice. Mm -hmm. This was murder. How are you laying in a pool of blood and a coroner, a person who went to school to know what dead bodies are doing, sees a pool of blood and says, natural causes, I'm out of here. Heart attack. Heart attack pool of blood where's the blood from bro where's the blood from maybe they thought he hit his head on the way down i don't know but that's crazy yeah randy had died from two gunshot wounds what did you think when you heard that i thought boy i was right yeah and uh i know we're spending a lot of time on this opening scene but i gotta say it this was another example of how i wish that the bodies weren't so blurred out when they show the body next to the Mexican food and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Dateline show me the crime scene photo. I mean, that would be dope, but I know that's not what we're going to get. I just wanted to know what position this body was in when this dumbass coroner looked at it. And all we can see is a blob of blur. And a tiny bit of his hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like they should be able to do it so that you can at least tell what position the body's in. Because that's part of the crime. Like, that's part of the murder that we're here trying to solve or, like, learn about. Mm -hmm. Or they could do what other people do where you just, like, like, if they don't want to show the body, don't. Just show that one hand off to the side. Yeah. Like, I don't, they kept, like, pulling up to the body and it just being, like, bung. Anyway, I wish I could see a little bit more because I want more proof that the coroner sucked. But something tells me that he does. I was right. That could also be a very bad photographer. Whoever's taken the photos just sucks and they don't know how to get a body in the frame correctly. Yeah, that's hilarious. And that's actually a good point. When I think about jobs like this where detectives who are good at drawing, like they clearly go into being a sketch artist, but you gotta wanna be a cop and be really good at drawing too. I just feel like that doesn't happen all the time. Maybe not, but in the field of forensics, I think there's a lot of different focuses like crime scene photos and DNA testing and blood splatter analysis. There's all sorts of different fields within that. Yeah, but those are all people wearing white coats. The sketch artist guy is just a cop. It's always just a cop. They're either plain clothed or they're in uniform. Or it's some lady that lives in town that they keep going back to because she's so accurate with her drawings. That'd be cool. 
I went the dr- well anyway. Coming to NBC this fall. Here we go. What's it called? Drawing Death. That's good. Tuesdays this fall. Uh, did you watch Pushing Daisies? No. Well, I wish it was still around, and I wish they had done episodes. Like, the whole premise was that he could touch a dead person, and they come back to life until he touched him again. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could bring things back to life. And I was thinking, if, so he did that to, like, find love or, like, fix stuff. That's it in a nutshell. I would go to the people, like, family members who died before they found out who killed their daughter. i go wake their ass up and say, guess what? We caught the son of a bitch. That's really nice. You're giving them closure. Yeah, it'd be great. Or, or when they find out somebody's the murderer after the murderer died, wake them up. That's right. I'd say, you didn't get away with it, dude. We busted you and everybody hates you now. Good night. Okay, so Kelly <laughs> finds her husband on the floor and has another 911 call and something tells me you're gonna be okay when I make fun of this one because her 911 call is pretty funny too. Right? Is it? Yeah, because she's like, her voice is like wavering. She's like doing a goat impression or something. But she's like, he's dead on the floor. Well. Do you remember? My husband's dead on the floor. The cops are looking into this. Okay, it's not natural causes. Two gunshots. Not only two gunshots, but two different bullets. Two totally different calibers. Weird. So that means it could mean two people, which is what Keith suggests. And the detective, who I love, that detective was a real grump. Dr. Shale or whatever. He didn't want to be on Dateline. He certainly didn't. And that led to yet another career criminal, to another, to another. He also doesn't want to do interrogations, because at one point he's like, just don't. Don't start with the tears, because we don't have time for it. Don't, don't try the tears. We don't want to get to that extent, because it's oh just calls on deaf ears. The police bring Kelly in for questioning, obviously, just mm-hmm. because she's the spouse. And we learn yeah. that they're not divorced, but they are separated, and she has been living elsewhere for the last few months, mm-hmm. but still working as Randy's caretaker. Oh, yeah. So she was still going to his house regularly, help take care of him, even though the whole reason for the separation, she says, was that she was tired of taking care of him. Yeah, you're right. Her whole thing was that she's around death too much. She can't take it anymore. That is an excellent point. It's like the only thing she's getting out of is probably to have sex with him or something. She's doing everything else. Yeah. And she also reveals that she has been seeing someone else. And this was the turning point for me and this Kelly, where I went from being suspicious to outright being not happy with her because of she thought she was so cool and clever. When the cop is like, are you seeing anybody else? And she says, do I have to answer that? Do I have to answer that? She's like flirting with him a little. Oh. But also that's. That burned me up. The worst thing you can possibly say. Well, yeah, of course. Do I have to answer that? You don't have to. You don't have to. He was not suspicious of her, and now all of a sudden, it's completely suspicious. Why can't you say? Yeah, right. And that's what I would say is, well, now that you said that, we're going to find out no matter what. She thinks she found some legal loophole because she's like, I'm not answering that. But then like five minutes later into the interrogation, she's answering it. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, So she is having an affair, and that's where she was last night. So she's not the killer. She couldn't have done the killing because she was busy knocking boots with a guy named Clint. They also bring in Randy's sister, Carol. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing about Carol is that she makes no secret of the fact that she and Randy have never gotten along since childhood. They do not like each other. And even in death, she does not like Randy. That was one of my first woe dudes for the episode where I was like, wait, what? Like, because they were openly talking about how they hated each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was very interesting to me. But Betty 
Betty was still close with her Aunt Carol, despite Carol not liking her father. And Betty was close with Kelly. And we also meet Betty's mom, Randy's ex-wife, who... Dory loved her. Loved Dory. Loved. She never really got over Randy. Randy left her to be with Kelly, and she... She got Jolene. Yeah, she did. She was so cool. Her telling the story of when she first met Kelly, it starts with her saying that she's sweet and beautiful. Tell me about her. Very cute, very sweet and quiet. And then when I saw her look at my husband, I knew that she was after my man, which I loved. I knew I was in trouble. What was the look? She was gaga over my man. I wish I could hear a lady talk about me like that. But she also didn't seem to be angry. No. She knew. She saw the way they looked at each other, and she knew it was over, and she was like, well, that's love. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times the first wife is pretty cool on Dateline. Mm-hmm. But Kelly was 10 years younger and very pretty and very flirtatious. In what world is she prettier than Dory? I'm just going to say that right now. Dory's better looking it's back then and now. I didn't say prettier. I just said younger and pretty. You said prettier. Nope. Well, we'll check the tape. Run it back. <laughs> 10 years younger and very pretty. She was right. So Dory's dope and they're talking to her and she hears about the death of Randy from her daughter, Betty. And she's brokenhearted because like you said, she's still in love with the guy. Mm -hmm. And she rushes to the scene. Kelly's there. Carol's there. Everybody's there. They want to figure out what's going on. Uh, And this is when Kelly points out that Randy's Pontiac is gone. So where's this car? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It's an unbelievable unfolding of stupidity. And it's a real, real delight. So... First off, the cops call where he gets his car worked on. Nope, not there. They look at the fast food and go, oh, let's check that. So they go to the fast food place. They look at the security tape. They got the car. Then they find that that car is being sold on Facebook, and it went on sale hours after the murder. Now, (laughs) Keith loves talking about this Motley crew that they bring in. I think he might have even called them a Motley crew. A Motley crew. He calls them walking felonies. And that's when this ragged band of walking felonies offered up a true shocker. He's got some lines in this app. They're they're amazing. That was one of them. So they go through all these walking felonies or whatever, and it's discovered that the person who's selling the car is Carol, Randy's sister. Yeah. The person who gave Randy Baker's car to those criminal bottom feeders was none other than his big sister, Carol. She's in on this. Did you see that coming? I did not. I was shook. No, I didn't see it coming. Carol's a little simple. She had a little trouble keeping up with things. Uh, yeah, she seemed to answer questions fine, but at the same time, I think at one point she even said, I'm slow. Don't you think it's weird if Randy's mad at his sister his whole life if she's slow? I mean, does it? No. Am I wrong? That's why I don't think she is. I don't think she's slow. She's like a mastermind. Oh, wow. Okay, so you- That's a whole bit. She's just telling people she's slow so that they'll never suspect her of things. Because if she is, I guess I'm concerned with Randy being mad at her his whole life. But was he? We just know that she hated him. But did he hate her? No, Betty said it. Like, Betty talked about how they never got along. Mm. And then also, we find out that Carol's the one that introduced Kelly- to Randy. Yeah. She tried to ruin our relationship from the beginning. It worked. Carol was the one who introduced Kelly to Randy. And she loved Kelly. They were very close. Oh, God. What is up with their relationship? They just butts? 
I don't know, but they were texting and calling each other constantly. Side note, it drives me nuts when these forensic guys look mm. at text message history and they say, these people were sending each other 50 texts a day, thousands in total, <laughs> as if that's a lot. It's not. Y'all just don't have friends. That's what that means. <laughs> One could argue that. If they counted how many texts you and I have sent each other, Kurt, just about Dateline alone, <laughs> we'd probably be suspected of plotting something together. Well, that's fair. Yeah, and they were known to be friends. It's not like that was a secret friendship. Right. So you're right. That is kind of silly. But look, the number 4,500 sure does sound like a lot of texts. It's not, though. How close were these women? Well, the 4,500 text messages alone is... Yeah. Mind-numbing. And I also feel like Keith was really blowing smoke about what a forensic phone doctor this guy was. Detective Frill's specialty is phone forensics. He can coax those phones to give up who was calling whom and when. I'm not giving him credit because he can load text messages from a phone or a cloud. Sorry, bro. Right. He was all, I'm here 12 hours a day. I go home and I come back and I do it all over again. It's like, yeah, I yeah. don't know, man. Just looking at Facebook posts, scrolling through a call log. It's not a big deal. Yeah. There's another job. How do you get that? He's like an investigator for cell phones. It just sounds pretty easy. You've got T-Mobile on speed dial. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand where there's a craft to it. Anyway, all these text messages. And it was in these readings of these text messages where the detectives get a sense of a, a ruined plot. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seemed like from their insane correspondence. <laughs> Mind-numbing. That they were plotting something, but doing it in a way where it didn't necessarily point to them. They were not the ones who shot Randy. Right. They're reading these texts. They're saying like, here's a number, put it under Sonia. And Keith's like, who's Sonia? Who in heaven's name was Sonia? It was uh -huh. Randy's nephew. Yeah, and Carol's son. The one who sent Randy the sweet text about what a great father figure he is and how much he loves him. Yep. Thank you for believing in me. Carol and Kelly had brainwashed this kid into thinking that Randy was some awful abuser and convinced him to murder the guy. Yeah, they call him Grizz, which is awesome. He goes by Grizz. Does Grizz make, make you think of anything? or Grizz and dot com from 30 Rock? No, that's good, though. You know my every thought, Beth. I thought of Christmas Vacation. Oh, Griswold. Hey, Grizz, you're not doing anything constructive. Anyway, that's what I think of. But I'm glad that he had a nickname because his birth name is Kelly, too. Okay? It's confusing. But his mother named him Kelly. And who would his mother be? Yep. Carol's son and Randy's nephew. Grizz says he was made to think that he's being abusive. Mm -hmm. And so he's like being a, a white knight or something right now. If anybody came to me and said, my husband's beating me up, okay? There's nothing I could do to escape. I need you to kill him. Guess where I'm headed? The f cops because I know what this is about. Would you fall for this ever? There had been no history of domestic abuse or violence reported. And also, she wasn't living there anymore. She did get out. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She did get out. Yeah. Oh, but she was so scared, wasn't she? So Carol and Kelly, the besties, hire Carol's son, Grizz, to kill him. And as soon as they talk to Grizz, because he was already in jail, I think, as soon as they talk to him, they can't wait to ask him why there's two different bullets. Oh, yeah. Grizz says that he usually carries two guns. <laughs> Which I think is such a funny, anticlimactic answer to something that was probably bugging him for a while. And also just like, why? 
Two guns. He always carries two guns. That's just how he rolls. That seems silly to me. I don't even own a gun. What do I need with a whole rack? You know, Wayne, if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. So what, did he just take him out and, like, hold them sideways, like, drive-by style, and just shoot his uncle in the head? Yes. Ugh. Yes, he did. This guy. Not a nice guy. No. He spills his guts in the interrogation, and we're watching the tape, and he's telling everything. I mean, he is. Oh, also, they got Carol to spill her guts because they said that Kelly turned on her. And old Carol fell for that. Mm -hmm. It only took once. They were like, hey, you know, Kelly turned on you and Carol just started singing. Oh, I love that. I am not trying to justify what Grizz did, but I do think that he also has been victimized. He was brainwashed and made to think things that weren't true. Because I do think that he genuinely loved the guy, but then those women just probably, I don't know. It's sad. (sighs) Even after the killing, he's saying that he wants people to know what a great guy Randy was. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's just so suspicious for somebody to come to you and go, hey, my husband's beating me up, okay? And something's got to be done. I, I don't know. I just, okay. Oh, wait. Uh, When you started watching this episode, did you, did you know what the secret keepers were? This is cell phones. That's what Keith is calling the great secret keeper of the world. Cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> Deep dive into the greatest keeper of secrets in the 21st century. The cell phone. Keith was really on in this one. He was. He absolutely was. He was leaning on stuff. Yep. When they went to find Randy's car in that impound lot, he was leaning on that car, leaning on the desk in the detective's cubicle. Mm -hmm. Just so cool with that casual lean. Does anybody else look cooler in a lean? I'm not sure. He can really pull it off. Like, it doesn't look awkward at all. No, and he's got those Converse on all the time. He's just so cash. So cash. Man. Yeah, he's great. He's the best listener, I think. Mm -hmm. Because his reaction in just listening is like it's heartwarming or hilarious. You get why Bill Hader did him on SNL all the time. No, it it was an arm. Ah. (laughs) Did he slap you five? He was really good with Betty, too. Like, for instance, when she said, I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy, you know he doesn't watch Grey's Anatomy. But good interviewer. He was like, I'm not going to answer that. I'm just going to go be concerned. And he said, uh-huh. I don't know if you watch Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Yes. I for sure would have gone. I would have stopped things dead in their tracks and said, no, sorry, I don't watch the show. <sighs> but that's why Keith's the best. Real profesh. That's terrible. We're to the trial, correct? We are to the trial. Okay. The shots of Kelly in the courtroom had me doing a double take because she looked just like our girl Kim with the kick-ass list. <laughs> You think so? And he would kill my family. I love seeing people in court after they've been in custody for months with the hair dye all grown out. Yes. And the weight is usually drastically different, like one way or another. And of course, it's like even better when they hobble in trying to look as frail as possible. Of course. Such an act. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Great. Or when they, but wait, you just said something that I got to jump on. Because it happened to Grizz. Grizz was skinny as hell. And then during the his testifying, he had just gotten thicker. And that is that is a real bummer to me. Because I swear, I always thought, you know, if I really had to get in shape, I'd go to prison. I feel like that'd be the only benefit to going to prison is I'd get ripped. Right. But you don't because their food sucks. You get fat. You get fat in prison. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes people get gaunt and they lose a lot of weight. But I think the people who gain weight, it's because they were probably really malnourished before. And now they're getting like three square meals, good exercise in the yard. I'm not saying it's a spa trip, but to people who don't have any kind of routine or are maybe in poverty and, and don't know where their meals are coming from, prison can be their first sense of 
stability. Yeah. Like we see it with uh, Brendan Dassey from Making a Murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's gotten real big in prison, and I think he just is doing well there because it offers some kind of stability. I like that as an answer, and that's the one I'm going to accept, because when I tell this to people, they say, well, I mean, they're feeding them all these starches and carbs and stuff, or whatever. And I just, if it was like, if, even if you just ate the three square meals, you still bulk up. But I like what you're saying, because they got stability, three meals a day, boom, 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 and not meth. Well, they're still getting meth in there. Grizz may have gotten off the stuff, because he looked healthy. He, he looked healthy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Grizz testifying was hysterical he he makes longer pauses than me (laughs) i'm totally going to put the clip in of that long pause for its entire duration and it's going to be brutal to listen to in podcast form but i think it's important to understand how long he takes to answer the question because he doesn't answer it (laughs) let's have a listen (laughs) you got a harley davidson for this murder is that right I got a Harley Davidson. Correct. The prosecutor theorizes that he thinks that he'll get beat up in prison for being a snitch, but he already did it on tape. So, I mean, do you think he really saved it? Do you think that they went, oh, hey, dude, we heard that you were real coy on the stand? Like, do you, you, they, that, that doesn't make it back to the jail. Also, he's not a snitch. He's the murderer. Yeah. Well, I guess to get leniency to turn on the others. But I don't know what happened because it was like a 180 this guy pulled. In the interrogation, he was so loosey-goosey. He was talking about this like it was yesterday's dump. Mom drove him to the scene, dropped him off, and he shot Randy. And then he goes to the trial and he's like a deer in headlights and he can't answer anything. It's it's like there's a gun in his back. Like he looked kind of terrified. He did. Or maybe that lawyers had told him how to play it and he was being very careful to not say anything or choose his words wisely and it just comes off annoying yeah <laughs> is it true that you got a motorcycle for killing somebody 10 minutes pass pause pause <laughs> i do have a motorcycle you know in his head he's going boom solve that one next question next question boom <laughs> air tight oh oh i also i loved the lady prosecutor too the, the guy was quizzing him but the girl was dope too the line that, that she played i oh one, I think I need a date a prosecutor. I feel like I'm into prosecutors. Two, I loved her closing lines when she was grilling Kelly on the stand, right? Remember when she's, oh, 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 we didn't say it yet. Okay, so they know that it's Kelly, Carol, and Chris. They've got them turning on everybody. And then another point of evidence pops up, one that can't be argued in court because there's like a money trail. Kelly, the day after the murder, cashed a $420 check that was in Randy's car that was stolen when he was murdered. So how else would she get this check? Mm-hmm. And she cashed it. That means that you deposited a check from a dead man's wallet, right? Correct. A wallet that was missing. Right. From a car that was stolen. Correct. Stolen by a killer. Right. Who shot your husband. Correct. In a murder you claim you had absolutely nothing to do with. Right. I'm done with this witness, Judge. She also said in one of her first interrogations that the life insurance policy that she would stand to get, it was nominal. It was maybe five, ten thousand. Yeah. Then it is revealed later that that's not true. There were actually six policies on Randy yeah. and it was something like $400,000. We've talked in the past about what a scam insurance is. And I feel like I solved it. You're only allowed to have one policy done. Yep. Done. I mean, that doesn't seem like a hard thing to navigate, right? And 
you shouldn't be able to change anything on the policy without the person there to sign off on. Yeah. In yes. person. Yes. Mm -hmm. I guess it can get tricky when we're dealing with elderly people and there's other people in charge of someone's estate and all of that. But then have that stuff figured out way beforehand. Or, because hey, house calls. These insurance agents, they can go old school. They got to go over there to get the signature. I mean, why not? This is pretty big. Mm -hmm. Why is it something you're allowed to do over the phone with no nothing? Or online. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. I have an insurance policy on myself and my mom is the beneficiary because she wouldn't be able to afford my funeral. <laughs> why? What's going to happen at your funeral? You know, we laugh at Carol for trying to sell the car on Facebook. Like that's pretty stupid. But Kelly cashing that check is pretty dumb, yep. too. Across the board, these are dumb dumbs we're dealing with. And Kelly thought that she was so cool in court, trying to play the victim. When she was when she was describing how he was quote-unquote abusive, if your opening one is, he slammed his hand on the table when we fought once, ah, uh, sorry, you're not getting self-defense on this one. No. I don't trust Kelly just based on her eyebrows alone. <laughs> Yeah, they were questionable. They were. Doink. Doink. <laughs> doink. Doink. Put the tweezers down, girl. Yeah. Do you think that there are a lot of tweezers in jail? I don't know. Probably not. They can be sharp. So Kelly's guilty as hell. They're all guilty. Grizz and Kelly get life. And then Carol gets 30 years. So, I mean, that's life. Yeah, that's life for Carol. That's life. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's time we talk lists. What do you say? Kurt, I think I have to rethink my list. Oh, no. Why? Because the Florida connection has not been a thing. Yeah, that's true. You're 0 for 5 on Florida. When I watch Dateline, I swear it's like every time there's some connection and these last five, yeah. there's been nothing. It hasn't happened. And hardly any military, too. Yeah, that's true. I do like your list, though, because I think it speaks to reoccurring themes in Dateline. I think it's just that we've had five in a row that haven't hit them. Mm. Maybe. We just haven't had it yet. Like, we haven't done a Dennis Murphy episode. Doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. He lives in Florida. There we go. Okay, so if there's not a new episode next week, I'm picking a Dennis Murphy jam. Great. Okay, well, I mean, I still love my list and want to talk about it every episode. My kick-ass list. Go ahead. Okay. Kurt's kick-ass kick -ass list. list. Did anybody say it's like out of a bad movie? Yeah, that did happen. Who said it? Uh, I think somebody said something about a movie. I might be wrong there. He's right. Number two. Does anybody mention Dateline? No. No. Number three, signs of a struggle. No. But we did have that killer burbs connection when he got zapped on the telephone line. Ooh, look at my fingers. Pretty weak showing for the lists. Hopefully, we'll step it up next week. You want to say the Instagram? Oh, yeah. We are on social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Follow us on Instagram at I'm Lester Holt. And email I'm Lester Holt at gmail.com if you've got some gripes. Or, hey, if you've got some scoops, if you've got some, like, boots-on-the-ground scoops about any of these people that we're talking about, we want them. Boots, scoops, gripes. All of them. Send them our way. All right. I'm Kurt Money. I'm Kate Line. I'm Lester Holt. For all of us, I'm Lester Holt. Good night. Good night.